Well, is anyone like me and you're extremely tired because you stayed up late last night watching fireworks? Anyone? Okay. All right. Cool. A few of you guys. Well, had a family thing last night. And so, uh, yeah, stayed up late, you know, watching fireworks. Good time. Fun stuff. But uh, super excited about um, this morning. I uh, want to give you guys, if it's okay, I'll give you guys a quick recap of our camp summit, our junior high trip. Is, is that all right? Okay. You guys want to hear about it? Okay. Awesome. Uh, junior hires. Man. Wow. Spend a week with Junior high students, it's great, good stuff. We had we had a blast. I'll I'll say that we had a fun time. We had a blast. Uh, but that being said, the junior high students, and uh, you know how they are, right? They like to, you know, like to push things a little bit. But uh, seriously though, we had a good time. Um, and the most important thing we did the entire week though was when we had we gathered every morning. Um, and one of the evenings for our sessions where really we opened the Bible and we followed uh, a guy by the name of Joshua. If you don't know the story about Joshua, he was this leader in the Old Testament that took over from Moses. And we really looked at his life even from like a young age. And we really just followed it and, and saw how time and time again through different scenarios and challenges and difficulties he went through, he continued to just trust God. And I think that's something that our students, and, and honestly, if we're honest, all of us, we need to be reminded of, is that when we go through things, it's, it's hard, but we need to just continue to trust God, regardless of what like, obstacles there are in the way. And so it was great getting to talk to uh, students uh, after the messages, and even like they were sharing some things like, like God's doing their heart and their life, and, and how, man, it was just, uh, just a great week to be able to do that. And, uh, but I want to say this. I'm super glad to be back, all right? I'm glad, and I'm looking forward to getting a full night of sleep and actually being in my own bed. It's, gonna, it's, it's great, so looking forward to that. Um, question for you guys. Uh, just just, just want to ask you guys this. Start now, okay? Have you ever had plans to do something and they got changed? Okay, all right? I would say all of us, right? I mean, that's like, yeah, no-brainer, right? You got plans to do something and things get changed. Okay, I'm going to share with you guys a story but that happened just recently in my life. So uh, Marissa's family, uh, they were coming to town just a few months ago uh, just for a short vacation. And um, we had made plans to do different things like go to Amish country and um, go to the lake, got to go see the lighthouses, right? So we had plans to do all these different things and we're looking forward to it. And they were here for about three or four days. And so that first night we stayed up, we talked for a little while and we were all tired. So, you know, go to bed. And we probably went to bed. It was probably close to midnight. And um, I remember I'm sleeping, you know, which is what you do at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Am I right? That's what you do at 2 o'clock in the morning. You should. Okay. All right. So I'm passed out. And in my dream, I remember hearing some screeching, growling, weird sound, okay? And so instantly, like, I wake up, and I'm, I'm like, dazed, you know, I'm tired. I'm like, man, what was that? And so instantly, I'm like, oh, you know, it's probably just something in my sleep. You know, I'm... I'm fine. I'm just going back to bed. You know, you like hear things in your dreams. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. Good. So, so I go back to sleep. And a couple minutes later, it happens again. I hear this really freaky, weird squeal, screech sound, growl. Don't really know what it is. And so at that point, I'm up and I'm like, okay, this isn't just in my dream. There's something going on. Like, what's going on here? So I get up and I'm like, I'm looking around the house and I'm like, hearing it in the distance as I'm like in the kitchen. I actually go outside, look outside of her window. I'm like, okay, no, nothing out there. All right. And 
And Marissa was up at this, this point, you know, and I'm like, what is that sound? And then I hear it again, and I'm back in the bedroom, and it's loud, okay? And so it's coming from under my bed, okay? And so, yeah, it's great. So, so I get down, and I look, and our cat, which but I did not know, okay, I did not know that she was pregnant, okay? She was giving birth to two Several kittens, several kittens, I don't know how many it was, several kittens underneath of our bed. All right, so gross, disgusting, okay, just want to say this real quick, all right, it was a mess, right, it was, you know, well, you use your own imagination, I won't talk anymore about it, okay, but it was a mess, and so we're like up, pulling the bed out, you know, cleaning everything up, and we're, you know, getting this taken care of, and I said that to say this, right, that wasn't my plan, that night, again, at 2 o'clock in the morning, you go to sleep. That was my plan. Our plans the next day were to get up early, you know, 6 or 7, and go do things. Those all got changed for the morning because we slept in after being up, birthing, helping birth a cat, whatever you want to call it. Okay, all right, so long story short, that, that wasn't my plans, okay? That, that at all was not my plans. But things changed and things happened, right? Um, I didn't have any control over what happened. Right? I mean, it is what it is. And, and just want to throw this out there before we go into serious stuff with the rest of the message. Um, if you want a kitten, okay, <laughs> we have one more left. So if you want, Marissa's back there, and you can talk to her afterwards. And um, it, if you need me to slap a stamp on that thing, to send it in the mail, like, I want to get that thing out. So you guys, yeah, all right. Okay, so James here reminds us today uh, that really we have no control of our future. James 4, 13 to 17, he tells us that. And then he ties in to James 5, um, really with how we respond uh, to, to his challenge in James 4, 13 to 17. See, we can make plans for the future, but ultimately we don't control what happens. We're a phone call, a text, the email, uh, a kitten being born away from our plans being completely changed, right? I mean, like, we all get that. See, we have to understand that making plans in life, it's not a, a bad thing. Um, you can go throughout the book of Proverbs, you can see there's all kinds of verses um, Proverbs 6, 6 to 8 talks about planning and preparing for the future and how, man, that's something like we should be doing. There's nothing wrong with making plans. That's, that's part of what we should be doing, preparing and planning for the future. But I think that the problem is this. A lot of times we make these plans for the future and they only focus on us. They only focus on like, hey, what's going to benefit me the best in this situation? What's going to benefit me this year the best? Or what's going to benefit me, you know, today? We don't think about, man, what does God want for us? See, in James, he's trying to draw that out of each of us. See, we usually do the things in life we want to do. So when we get focused on us, the problem is this. It's easy for us, even as Christians, like, it's easy for us to do this as followers of God just to completely leave God out. When we're only focusing on ourselves, like it's easy for us to forget to put God in our plans or really to find out, man, God, what is your plan for my life or what do you want me to do today? See, we focus on things maybe that aren't necessarily bad for us. Maybe they, even something we enjoy to do like family vacations, hobbies, sports, the weekend. But is God included in those or is he just being left out? Is that another part of our life? See, I think this is our attitude and, and most of us, we wouldn't say this, but I think this is our attitude a lot of things. Like, God, I, I, you know, I, I, I've got my whole life planned. God, I, I've got it all figured out. I've got today planned. I know what I'm going to do today. I know what I'm going to do this week. I'm new, I know what I'm going to do this year. I know what my life is going to be about. 
so don't change it, God. Like, let me just kind of do my own thing. Don't change it. See, and we have to realize this as Christians, man, we're only given, and this is gonna keep coming back to this this morning, we're only given a certain amount of time on this earth. And like, what are we doing as believers, as followers of God? What are we doing that short amount of time to impact eternity and to reach people for Jesus? Okay, we're gonna keep coming back to that time and time again this morning. And man, if we're always leaving God out of our plans, we're leaving him out of this short life that we have, then how are we gonna reach people for Jesus? I mean, how are we gonna, how are we gonna share faith? I mean, how are we gonna reach Tiffin and Seneca County? How are we gonna share faith with our coworkers if we're constantly doing this? Guys, life is fragile. I mean, we don't know. We could, we, we could live another 50 years. We could live another day. Like, we just don't know. So James, he opens up this topic in James 4, 13 to 14. He says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring and what, what your life will be. If you're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Yet you do not, is it the next verse? Nope. No? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. All right. So Holman, you know, he, he, he writes this, and he's saying this. He's a, he's a commentator of the Bible. He says, hey, probably the original recipients at Jew, the Jewish Christian church, he writes this to them, and they were strong believers. They believed in the existence of God, but check this out. They lived as if God didn't exist. It just means this, they didn't, they didn't seek God daily. Like they didn't, they didn't seek him daily. See, every day we should consider, man, what, God, what is your will for a life today? See, I think all of us were guilty of this at times. In James, uh, verse 13, he gives us a picture of a guy that's traveling to a city. He's saying this guy, he travels to the city and, and he has a plan to stay there for a year. And he's gonna make a profit, he's gonna make money. He's gonna do his own thing. But it's interesting, who is he leaving out of this? He's leaving God out of the equation. It's all just about what benefits him. It's all just about his life. It's interesting what he does, verse 14. Uh, James is like, he shows a little sarcasm. Uh, he's like, um, man, you got your whole entire year planned. Man, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, you, you don't even know what's going to go on tomorrow. See, before we judge this guy, I, I want us really just to, to think about this. Maybe this is something we should ask ourselves and, and we haven't asked ourselves is this. God, what do you want me to do today? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do this today or this week or this year? Man, how can I reach people for Jesus? See, every day we should be doing this as Christians. Grace, this should be something we do every day, spending time with God, being challenged in the word and, and, and really just asking God, man, God, how do you want me to live today? Who can I reach for Jesus today? Is there a coworker that I need to share my faith with? Is there a family member I need to reach? Like, God, what is it? And this is, this is so important in our life as Christians. I mean, why wouldn't we consult our, our Father, right? Why wouldn't we consult God? I mean, the gracious, loving, compassionate, caring God. Why would we not ask God, God, what do you want me to do with the day that you've blessed me with today, July 4th, 2021? You see, when we leave God out of our plans and we don't seek his advice, just another form of us really being prideful. Zach, you talked a little bit about that last week, but that's really just us. We're just focusing only on what benefits us. 
See, most of us, we keep God for Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, we keep for ourselves. We think, hey, that's, that's my time. Like Sunday, I'll be about church, I'll be there, 9 o'clock, 10.30, I'm about it. But Monday to Saturday, that's this guy's time. And my question is this, is what good is that? Like what good is God if we only keep him contained to Sunday? I mean, if God's only contained to Sunday in our life, then how are we going to reach people for Jesus? I mean, if God's only contained to Sunday in our life, how is our family and our friends ever going to give their life to Jesus? I mean, God is seen outside of the walls of the church, not just inside the walls of the church. Is God in your Monday at the 9 a.m. You know, clock-in time like he is on your Sunday at 9 or 10.30 when you show up for church? I mean, is, is God in that staff meeting on Thursday afternoon like he is today? See, James, he helps us to understand why it's so important to keep God the focus in the end of verse 14. He says this. He says that our life... He says, it's, he says it's like a vapor, right? It's here for a little while, but then it, it vanishes away like it's here, and then it's gone. He says this. He's, he's trying to get us to understand this. Man, life is short. It's a mist, right? It's a vapor, and it's here. You're born, you graduate high school, college, you get married, and you're gone. We only have a little bit of time, and James is saying, man, like, life, it's so short. It's not here a long time. It's only here a little while. Like, that's it. That's all that you've got, just a short amount of time. And so why are you focusing everything on you and not what God's plan is for your life? Life is fragile. I mean, we don't know when our, our, our time is, is over. I mean, not one of us. We, we, we don't know. I mean, it said this earlier, but it could be, could be a few days. I mean, it could be today. It could be 60 years. Like, we just don't know. Regardless, we would say this. Our life is short in comparison with eternity, what happens after we die. What are we doing? I mean, what are we doing this short time to impact eternity? See, for some of us, our life, it's about pursuing Money, right? It's about pursuing uh, a status at work or a position at work. It's about pursuing popularity. It's about pursuing a certain spot on the team or whatever. And what about when life is, is over with? Did any of that stuff really matter for eternity? I mean, did any of that affect what happens after life? Did that new position that you worked tirelessly for and neglected time with God and neglected time with the family, did it affect eternity? Could have, right? And maybe in a negative way, right? I mean, did having to have that new home and everything you did in life was about getting that new home or that new car, being the most popular one in school, like, did that affect eternity? Did that affect someone else's eternity for the good or for the bad? Those are questions that we have, to, we have to ask ourselves. And why is it so important to see God in these areas? Guys, it's simple. Life is short. God, he has his best and your best interest at heart. And it may not seem like it sometime, but he does. Right? He wants your life to go beyond the frail, short time that you're given. James, he ends chapter 4 with verse 17. He says this, So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. 
kind of seems like a verse that's out of place, but it's just a simple concept and it's not out of place. He's saying this, if you know something's right to do and you choose not to do it, it's, it's sin. And for you to know that we need to remove pride and have God included in our plans of life and, and that is like what we build our plans off of life is what God wants for us. Like, like that's what we should be about. If we don't do that, we just do our own thing. He's saying that's sin. Some of us, I think we're definitely followers of Jesus, but we get caught up in life's just responsibilities and, and different things, the busyness of life and everything going on that we forget to put God in the mix of our daily decisions. I mean, it's something that's easy to do. I mean, it's to, to forget God, but in reality, again, this is, we'll come back to this question. We should ask ourselves this every day. God, what do you want me to do today? This short life that I have. God, what do you want me to do today? And James, then he gives us a better perspective for helping us like to understand this in James 5, 7 to 11, which we're gonna look at uh, verse seven and eight. Check out what he says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer, he waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. Last verse, you also must be patient, strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. See, only a few sentences after chapter four ends, he gives like clarity for what God wants each of us to do really in, in our short life, that short time that we have. He gives us clarity like, hey, what do we need to do? And so James does something interesting. He gives us something that every single one of us loves to do. He tells us to wait. You guys like to wait? Anyone that likes to wait at all? Is there anyone? No, no one likes to wait, right? Nobody wants to, no, we don't want to do that, right? All right, I'll prove to you. Ready? I'll prove to you guys do not like to wait. All right? Maybe you guys are like me, and, you know, just give you guys an example. Last week, we're at Camp Summit, and we got a big camp game, you know, planned that night. And so I go up to Walmart in Hillsdale, Michigan, and, uh, you know, I'm going to the store, get my stuff, get in the back, you know, get up to the cash registers. And uh, now, and I know some of you guys do this, all right? But you're like me, you got your cart full of stuff, and you're looking which aisle has the shortest amount of people, right? You know, you're looking for which aisle's got the shortest amount of people, and you kind of narrow it down. There's four or five aisles open. No, false. Usually there's only two at Walmart, right? Like, that's it. Yeah. So, so you go, and you, you know, you're looking, then you kind of scan those couple, and you're looking like, okay, which one has the least amount of items in their cart? Okay, you're picking that out. That's what I did at Camp Summit, okay? So I'm up there, Hills of Michigan, find the shortest line, find the one with the least amount of items, and I get in line. I stand there, and I'm there for five minutes, not moving at all, Okay? I'm there for 10 minutes, and by this time, it's too late to turn back because I got somebody behind me, right? I can't go to the self-checkout or nothing, all right? So I'm standing there, you know, 15 minutes, no exaggeration. I have two of my leaders that were with me that are here this morning. They will tell you it took forever, all right? And so I'm standing there, and all I'm thinking about is this. I'm here. There's 70 junior high students back at a camp with a couple leaders, right? I got to get back. I don't have time to stand here for 15, 20 minutes, all right? And so... I'm in line, and hey, long story short, I stood there for like 30 minutes until finally we got off the checkout, okay? Here was the problem. The lady, the cashier, bless her heart, okay, she was double bagging every item regardless if it was a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. She was double bagging like every bag, and then she was tying a double knot in it. Am I right? I'm right, aren't I? It was crazy. It took forever. You know, all I'm thinking the entire time is I want to get out of here. I've got to get going. I've got kids, like... 
they're back at the camp. I got to get going. And, you know, it's all I'm thinking about, right? It's I got to get out of here. And we're all the same. We hate waiting. None of us like to do it. Right? We, we don't want to do that. So it's interesting that James, he challenges them. He's like, hey, um, yeah, God's coming. Like Jesus, his, his return where he's going to come back and all the Christians, all the church is going to go to heaven. Like that, that's coming. That's, it's near. It's near now than it's ever been. So wait. Just hold up. Just wait. So James, he really gives us the format of how we should wait as Christians. He says this, and what we're going to look at, but he says, wait with patience, hope, and integrity. See, we should wait and follow God's plan for our lives because Jesus' return, it's closer now than, than it's ever been. I mean, this should keep us motivated to plan, like we should be about planning and all that. But the fact that Jesus' return is closer now than it's ever been, man, we should be about like planning around what does God want for me? What is God's will? What is God's plan for my life? See, most of these people, they had their hand in some kind of farming. So the whole patience and farming thing, it went hand in hand, and they would have understood it. And it's no wonder that he would bring in this farmer's perspective on waiting. You have the hardworking farmer. He shows an example of patience. I mean, the farmer, he can prepare the soil. He can plant the seed. He can weed the field. He can keep the field. However, he must trust God for the conditions of rain and sunshine that encourage growth. I mean, he has to practice patience in that. He has to be completely hands-off. See, there was a lot of doing, but there's also a lot of waiting that happens. See, there was a part that he was responsible for as a farmer, but there's also a part uh, of that seed growing that he had absolutely no control over, and it's completely in God's hands. And he has to wait. He has to be patient. See, this is a great metaphor for us to walk in faithfulness while waiting and let God be God and do the rest. I mean, this should be our attitude in life. But our problem is we don't want to wait. We don't like to wait. But man, Jesus' return, it's, it's nearer than it's ever been. And man, an anticipation for that day, that, that should be something that we are looking forward to. We should trust his plan. And then James, he says first, he says that we should wait with patience. And the Greek word here for patience in James chapter 5 is the word makrothemeo. And it's not just patience like you would think the word patience, but I want you guys to think about this. Anyone know someone that has, you would say, they have a short fuse? Anyone know, no one? Okay, we have one person. All right, I think we all know someone that has a short fuse, okay? We all do, all right? So think of someone that's the total opposite, and that's what this word means. It's, it's like enduring patience, total opposite of having a, a short temper or a short fuse, that's what James is saying. He's saying, hey, patiently wait for Jesus. Like, have patience. Practice patience. Like, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of man, the difficulty, whatever, like, have patience. Because he keeps coming back to this idea in verse 8. Because Jesus is coming, it's, it's, it's nearer than it's ever been. Like, it's closer now than it's ever been in history. And this should be the motivating factor for everything we do in life as believers. I mean, everything we do in life should be about the fact that, man, Christ's coming, it's near. And we should be about reaching people while we have time on this earth. And just like the farmer, be patient, looking, working, but also waiting patiently. And then uh, verse 10 and 11 says this, Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance, 
and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. James, he then shares that we should wait with hope as believers, and we should wait with hope. See, we get so distracted with what's going on down here, I think that we forget about our hope in, in, in heaven, our hope in the future that Jesus, man, he's going to return, he's going to call us home, and, and, and we're going to be in heaven with, forever with him. There's no sin, there's no death, there's no sorrow. And life, in his, life really, it isn't easy. I mean, we're all, in some way or another, we all go through difficulties in life. We all go through hard times in life. And, man, those should help motivate us for, man, that day that we do, that, we, that our, our faith is made sight and that we see that hope. And, again, we should, man, just be excited for that day. See, as this church, they face hardship. Just remember back to the first week we talked about this. They face persecution. I mean, they face things that we'll never have to face or we haven't faced so far. And James reminded them, guys, with all that you're going through, man, have, have hope in what's coming. Man, I know life is hard now. I know there's difficulties and, and hardships and tough things you're going through. I know there's death and there's sickness and there's sorrow. But, man, that, that, should, like, that should build our hope for that day that we'll go to heaven, that day that Christ calls us home. See, our, our hope of Christ's return, it's an encouragement for us to obey. And, and if you're a Christian, man, I just want to say this real quick, like, this life, it's the worst it's going to be. If you've made the decision to give your life to Jesus, and this life, it's the worst it's going to be. And heaven, heaven's coming. And the, the best day on earth can't equal and compare it all to the worst time in heaven. Well, on the flip side of that, if you've not made the decision to give your life to Jesus, man, I just want to say this, like, this is as good as it's going to get. Like, this life is as good as it's going to get because when you go into eternity... It's hell. I just want to say this so you can make the decision today to give your life to Jesus. Realize that you're a sin, realize that you're a sinner. Remember what Jesus did on the cross for you, and that was payment for your sin. That's to come into your heart and to save you. You can be forgiven and have that relationship with Jesus today. James 5 11, he brings up a guy by the name of Job. If you remember back to our, our series on Job from last year, the story of Job, it's, it, a lot of you guys were here, I think it was back in October, we did that series. Uh, we walked through, you know, for like six weeks, his life. And the story of Job, it's, it's really this. Satan, he goes to God, and he's like, hey, God, uh, you know, nobody, nobody loves you, nobody's following you. And, G, and God responds, uh, yes, uh, you know, Job does. My man Job, he does. And Satan's like, no, no, he, let me do some stuff to him. Like, he won't follow you. He won't, he, he won't care for you. He won't follow you if, if you let me do some stuff to him that hurt him. And it's interesting what God does. God just says, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. And so God allows Satan to, to, to put Job through the ringer in all honesty. And for months and months and months and months and months on end, he goes through all kinds of difficulties. I mean, and maybe some of you guys, you, you, know, you remember some of these, but uh, it, it, different things like he loses uh, all of his children. Right, house collapses and kills all of his kids. He loses, uh, you know, his wealth. He loses his houses. He loses barns. He loses all of his animals. I mean, he loses everything. I mean, he's even hated by some of his best friends. They turn against him. The only one that he really doesn't lose is, is his wife. And he's laying outside of the city in the dump. And his response after everything that he had just went through, 
His response is this in Job 19, 25 to 27. But I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end, he will stand on the dust. Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes, they will look at him, and not as a stranger, my heart longs within me. And this is the great equalizer that brings us back to James 4, 13 to 17. Job is saying this, life is short, nothing in life matters, right? Only what you did with Jesus. Our status in Tiffin, our status at high school, our status at work, our status in, in the town, right? Having that nice house. Like, none of that will matter. In fact, the only thing that's going to matter 100 years from now is what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus while you were here? How did you share him? What did you say about him? How was your life changed by Jesus? You see, throughout the book of, of, of James, we've looked at a few different examples of faithfulness. A few weeks ago when I spoke, we talked about Abraham and, and Rahab. Abraham, he exemplified faith, right, with his son. And if you guys remember the story, he goes up to, his, God tells him to sacrifice his son Isaac, and he truly and honestly believes that, like, regardless that God will raise his son from the dead, he has faith in God that everything's gonna be fine. He trusts God's plan. And he's marked by faith for the rest of his life. And then you have Rahab the prostitute, right, who lived a life of, of just, we'll just say this, lived a life of sin and, and neglecting God. But she saw God and she put her faith in him and her life was drastically changed. And now we have a guy by the name of Job as another example of faithfulness. And these three people, they had something in common. They all faced difficulties. They all faced hardships. But even in the middle of all that they faced, they chose to do what? They chose to follow God. Job's story reminds us that we are to wait on Jesus with hope. Right, hope in Jesus. Yeah, this life, it's short. The only thing that matters is, what did you do with Jesus? I mean, how are you sharing that hope with others? And the last verse we'll hit on, James 5.12. It says this, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. James he closes out like how we should wait. He says that we should wait with integrity. I mean, God keeps his words and as, <clears throat> as believers, we should do the same. I mean, think about it. The whole idea that we should wait with integrity, it's huge as a Christian. I mean, as a Christian, if we don't have integrity, I mean, how are we gonna reach people for Jesus? I mean, how are we gonna impact others for the kingdom? And if you're constantly known for bailing, you're constantly known for flaking out, like your yes isn't yes and your no is not no, the man, what do people think about the message of Jesus? I mean, if your life isn't a life as a Christian that's marked by integrity, and then what does that, what does that mean? Like, has God truly and honestly changed your life? See, before our friends that we know that maybe aren't believers, and I'm sure all of you guys have friends and family that aren't believers, but before they come to Christ, before they put their trust in Jesus, they have to trust you. They have to trust a person. See, inviting people to church, maybe you've heard this before. Like I know I, know I have. Like, yeah, I don't know if I can, I can come to church because I've been hurt by the church. I don't know if I can trust them. Man, shame on Christians. And I, I hope at grace this is never something that we're about, something we don't do. And if we do this, like we're not living with 
integrity. And what's your reputation with people that don't know Jesus? Not people that are here in church this morning. Man, what's your reputation with people that are not followers of God? And do your friends, do they believe you when you talk about Jesus? I mean, your coworkers, do they believe you when you talk about how Jesus has changed your life? I mean, it's simple. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Live with integrity. If Jesus really has come into your heart, man, let him change you. Guys, life is short, and the only thing that matters is, man, what do we do with Jesus in this short amount of time? Let's just say, say this, for example. Say this morning that this red tape represents the amount of years. Let's say we're all given 75 years in here to live on earth. This is the time that we're given to, to live and, and to, to be on earth, right? And, and, and I think the problem, or what James is highlighting this morning, is a lot of us, we live like this is all that matters. We live for this. this is, it seems like this is all that matters to us. And so at work and with the family and with our free time and hobbies, this is what our life is about. But the problem is, as a Christian, this is a very small part of, of eternity, right? Because eternity goes on forever and, and ever and, and ever and ever. So I guess the question I want to ask you guys as we go to close out is this. How are we going to use this time to impact all of eternity? That goes on forever and ever and ever. Let that be our challenge today. And how are we going to take the time, or how, how are we going to take our life and impact all of that? 75 years, in comparison with eternity and forever, it's, it's nothing. I mean, it's absolutely, it's hardly anything. How are we going to use this to reach people there? I think the motivating factor we've looked at this morning is, yeah, life is short. But a motivating factor is this, is Jesus' return it's closer now than it's ever been. Man, so while we have this time, let's use it and try to reach people and impact eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the morning that you've given us. Thanks for letting us just jump into your word and see again the book of James, such a practical book. A book, in all honesty, God, that's hard. <laughs> There's a lot of tough stuff in it, God. It's difficult at times. But God, it's needed. I think a lot of times we live life and we do life and we don't think about time. We don't think about how, how short a time we have. God, we live life like we're going to live forever and, and, and God, we're only given so much time on this earth. And then after that, God, we go into eternity. I pray that this morning after the challenge and James and what's been shared, that we would take that. God, we would apply it to our life. God, we would evaluate and see, God, like where are we off in our relationship with you. God, where are we off in, in planning? Are we planning according to the fact that, like, that what your plans are for life? Are we focused on your return? God, I pray you'd help us to walk away with this challenge this morning and to think about that. Not just today, but God, this week. God, what do you want us to do this week? What do you want us to do this year? God, what do you want us to do in our lifetime? I pray this in Christ's name.